Welcome back folks to Two Bits One Puck. I'm your host, a complicated man, a secret party planner and a milk thief, Dan Masters, with my good friend, the East Kent, Elliot Friedman, and a man who is finally, finally in his new house. Will Everett Human, Will, how you doing? Uh, very, very good, thank you, Dan. Very good, I'm glad you finally uh, got the moniker right of the, uh, the correct <laughs> Makes uh Yeah, makes a lot of difference, really does. But yeah, mate, good, how are you? I'm fine, I'm fine. I do have a little question of the week this week, and it's hockey-related as well, God. for the for those fans of that. Yeah, go on. If, it, if, it's, if it's anything to do with my previous coach, coaching history, I want, want it to be known that it was a decade ago, and uh, therefore has no bearing on, uh, and I shouldn't be uh, shouldn't be punished for it, no matter what I've done. No, of course, yeah, no, it, yeah. Doesn't, matter, it doesn't matter at all what happened 10 years ago. Nothing, you know, that's, yeah. Even, could, yeah. even last week, arguably, if it's not, if I'm not being punished in the moment, then sorry, mate, you missed. It didn't chance. happen. Yeah, exactly. yeah, exactly, exactly. Too little, too late. Anyway, with the uh, with the firing of John Hines, and we'll get onto this. We'll get onto that more in a bit detail later. It's been 19 years since we had one, but do you think we're any closer to seeing a European head coach? Does Ralph Kruger not count? I don't think he does. I thought he was. Oh God, here we go. See, is the first is the, first, is the question ruined already? Oh, so he's Canadian-born, but he's German, so... Oh, well, there you go, you see. Can he, yeah, born in Winnipeg. Yeah, shit. So, I mean, who was the last, like, pure European head coach, then? Pure, pure European, pure, pure blood. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, glad, I'm glad you asked that question, Will. It was uh, Alpo Suonen at the Blackhawks and Ivan uh, yes. Klinker at uh, the Penguins, both I, in 2001. I know him well. Of course, yeah, yeah. Well, I just thought... Ricard Gromberg, well, he'll he'll be the one, surely, if anyone's getting. Well, that's that's why I was asking because there was a, a little article this week saying that he looks like, you know, he's the guy who should probably get the next kind of job that you know, someone what is someone who's willing to take a chance on a European head coach. It should be that guy. Yeah, I I find it weird like that it doesn't happen more often. You know, in a lot of ways, the NHL feels like the Premier League in the eighties, didn't it? Yeah. Just where it's like, oh, we could only possibly have uh, American and, and Canadian coaches. How else would we possibly operate a North American league? Like, it just feels so backwards. There's got to be, you're not telling me, there is no way you're telling me that a European co- coach, let's say Ricard Grunberg, is not better than bloody Alain Vigneault, Mike Yo, and uh, Michelle Therrien. <laughs> Fantastic! We haven't talked about the Hydra for ages, have we? No, King Ghidorah. It is, especially as they're getting the results. Like I think that's why we don't want to talk. Very about true. Them. That's the problem. If they were failing, like you know, terribly, then it'd be more interesting to talk about. But we don't want to just say, "No, they're doing all right." I suppose. Yeah, that's a fantastic point. To answer your question, I don't know when because I'd have thought it would happen by now. I'd have thought it'd be normalised by now that we'd have more European head coaches. Maybe next season. Maybe the season after, like it's either it's got to be soon, though, isn't it? You would think because thirty is it like thirty two, thirty three percent of the league is made up of foreign players. Yeah, and this year's this year's draft fifty five percent the sort of the top top players are many be Europeans, which which is equal parts a crazy big number and a crazy small number because that still means forty five percent of the league's draft is coming from two countries. I see what you mean. That's a good point. And and one continent, and and especially where there's like a, a, a almost you know, the majority of it's a shared junior system. 
yeah, that's 45% of players coming from effectively one junior system. Yeah. Which is just weird. I've, I've said before, I'm just, I'm surprised more teams don't take chances with things because what's the punishment for being bad? There is none. We've, I've said this before, it's not like soccer where you're going to get relegated. <laughs> punishment. You just... Are you, are you advocating like a, like a docking salary cap if you're really bad? <laughs> <laughs> teams should be folding. no but it's true it's true though isn't it it's true though isn't it if your season doesn't go right in soccer that team might disappear into the lower leagues and never kind of be seen again a la Swindon Town whereas in any American sport they were they were bad this year well what's like what's the what's the penance for being bad <laughs> well they get the best really young player teenager, in the world yeah. like well how's that hang on that's not that's not punishment <laughs> we yeah. suck this year oh shucks just to pause on it, was Swindon in Division 1 back in the day then? Yeah, Swindon were a Premier League team at one point. Wait, proper Premiership Premiership? A Premiership Premiership team. Premier League, yes. Jesus. Next exactly. Gonna, <laughs> ne- next you're going to tell me Leeds were in the Premiership. <laughs> exactly. You don't get that in the, you don't get that in NHL, do you? Do you remember when the Rangers were in the, uh, in the NHL? Now they're just like scraping around in the... Uh, <laughs> I don't know, whatever. <laughs> now they're like a men's league team. <laughs> <laughs> now they're just skating around the New York State second division. <laughs> like, no, they're terrible now. They've just fallen on hard times. No, all, all there's their no players hard times. Are, are subway drivers. Lundqvist <laughs> <laughs> doing an Uber every Saturday to make up his wages. <laughs> I, I wasn't thinking that way. But yeah, that's even better. Like, because... Exactly. They have to go semi pro. <laughs> Play Capo Caco driving a cab. <laughs> yeah, because they've fallen down so far because they're rubbish. No. It's you a... know, so just, yeah, like, why don't you just hire European head coach? Who cares? In in a logical way, that should be happening all the time because, like you said, there's no, there's no sort of uh, repercussions for being bad or rather the only repercussions are good ones. But you're always talking about the, the most backward, least progressive league in arguably all of professional sports. So... It depends which side of the logic coin you want to flip that day. It is surprising, and at the same time, not surprising in any way. Yeah, I, th- I think it should happen soon, but I would equally not be surprised at all if it uh, doesn't ever happen again. All right then, should we go on with the show? Yeah. All right. everybody it's that time of the week it is the smooth recap shout out to former canadiens players marty barry walter buswell and paul hines if these names seem unfamiliar it's because they last played 80 years ago which was the last time the habs lost eight games in a row the vegas golden knights were the only nhl team voted the most popular franchise in their home state hockey teams were beaten out by nfl MLB, NBA, and even NCAA teams across the rest of the United States. Sounds about right. Detroit's tanking guards are fully embracing their subjects. After Jimmy Howard gets injured mid-game in the shellacking by the Leafs, Jonathan Bernier steps in. The problem was Bernier had the flu, and a few minutes earlier was face down in the toilet, saying hi to his pre-match meal. 
fuck Bill Peters. I hope his application for the dole gets denied. I'm going to bang this drum all season. But the New York Islanders Lego system produces another great stat <laughs> as they've had 12 different players so far this season score a game-winning goal. In amongst the news, Evander Kane has urged us not to confuse what happened with Mike Babcock and what happened with Bill Peters, which is good advice if you ask me. I'm a hockey expert, you know. My preseason sneaky pick, the Philadelphia Flyers, are proving this to be true, as they accumulated more points in November than any other Eastern Conference team. Did you know that between 1981 and 2001, over a 20-year stretch, the Art Loss Trophy was only won by three people, Yaramil Yaga, Brent Gretzky and Brendan Lemieux. Absolute scenes in New York this week, as three Rangers D-men combine on one goal for the first time in 34 years. It seems that just like my wife, this week, the Rangers love the D. Miko Koivu has become the first player to suit up in a thousand games for the Minnesota Wild, which just about sums up the Wild's history so far. And that was your smooth recap. How how do you get three D-men combining for a goal? I don't know, but they did. I'm very angry that you're taking credit for the Flyers being good this year because it's actually my fault that they're good this year for picking them last year. (laughs) So, it's like I'd, so you're I'd, taking credit. Yeah, I, well, I had faith during the dark years and now you're swanning it and saying, oh yeah, they're really good and, and I'm such a genius for picking them when really I'm the genius for picking them when they were bad. Yeah, I can't find those Rangers players and I'm not gonna, <laughs> so sorry. <laughs> so, so it's fake news. You just uh, we It's all... not fake news. I saw that was that was the headline on NHL's PR Twitter. So I, oh, okay, that's cool. Oh, but you, it didn't say on there who it was. You'd have thought it'd be pretty easy to find then you would think so but yeah it's not looks like I'm going to be making up some uh, some interesting stats for next season next year <laughs> I didn't make it up <laughs> it's true for the first time in Blackhawk history both goaltenders combined for a goal in regulation <laughs> god if it bothers you that much I'll send you the link later no it's fine I'll have a proper look later it's fine I'll, I'll do my own research I can't trust anything you send me anymore okay that's fine I don't mind that Who's winning the cup this week? Dennis Bergkamp is going to win the cup this year, this week, this lifetime. Because he's just great. <laughs> well, do you know what? You can't, you can't we are, argue, we are, can you? No, it's no. Not, it's not I, I, I can't argue with fandom in any way. And if you're going to shout out one of the greats, that's, you know, that's fine, obviously. There you go. It, it was specifically spurred on by someone posting 20-year anniversary of some great assist he had on a Freddie Jumbo goal. So relatively topical. But uh yeah. Oh, was it not that is it not the anniversary of that goal against Newcastle? No, not not the goal. It's uh, not the goal. I think it was against Newcastle still. Like he he just holds the ball up really well, dancing around two players on the edge of the box and then just chips it with the outside of his foot on for Jumberg and Jumberg just dinks it over the keeper and away you go. Still a great goal. Do you know what's hilarious? Do you know what's that we don't talk about enough? Was that he would never go, he would never fly to away games because he was scared of flying. Yeah, like driving all across Europe, which is mental. There were certain games he couldn't play because he had to fly there. And he was like, well, I'm not going then. And they were just like, and Arsenal were just like, all right then. Right. It's not happening. What? Which is like one of those mental things that's ever happened in professional sports. He would have to go everywhere by ferry or by train. 
even back in the day, I loved the idea of just Dennis Bergkamp missing it in some little like Citroen C3 drive into Galatasaray away or whatever. <laughs> Getting on the sleeper train or something in Italy and like waking up in, I don't know, Portugal or something stupid like that. Just with like a pair of boots tied around his neck. <laughs> Already got his kit on ready in case yeah, he's yeah, late. sleeping in full kit. <laughs> yeah, he was, he was oh, a, little good bit, stuff. a little bit mad old Dennis, wasn't he? Yeah. Going by what we know, I would say, yeah, he was a little bit bonkers. Well, I think he was a, well, he's a genius, isn't he? All geniuses are a bit crazy, aren't they? Oh, yeah, definitely. Well, you can't do the, the sort of things that he did on a football pitch without being a little bit a little bit weird, a little bit mental. Who who have you got winning the Cup? As as I think, realistically, Dennis Bergkamp's probably not allowed to win the Stanley Cup. No, probably not. Winning the Cup for me this week are the Hershey Bears fans. Oh, They're all yes. winning the Cup. As yes. they break their own world record. Scarbosa inside the flexion, stopped by Huska. Rebound, they score! It's Teddy Bear Cup time! Here they come! Christian Juice slips the goal! It's raining stuffed animals in Chocolate Town! Following a goal by uh, Christian Juice, more than 45,000 bears <laughs> rain down onto the ice. Beating their previous record by ten thousand. I mean, so, so, like, do we know what the attendance was for that game? I guarantee you, it wasn't forty-five thousand, <laughs> and everyone brought one bear. That's the thing. At the very least, you've got two bears per pe- per person. Probably upwards of three bears per person, which is yeah. And some of the bears, do you see some of them? They were massive. There's some that. of them were bigger than the players. I'm like, that, why are you bringing that with you? That big sloth, wasn't it? <laughs> well, it's got like four geezers carrying it down to uh, yeah. <laughs> to the ice. I was watching a little video of all those uh, bears raining down. Yeah, and I was just thinking, this sport is loopy. Like this is this it is, is the best side of hockey. How could you ever explain that to your average like English or European sports fan? Look at this. <laughs> Someone's gone. <laughs> it's, it's not even like it's like a hat trick goal or something, or like a game winning goal. It's like just a goal. By the home team, bam! Here you go, forty-five thousand bears. Forty-five thousand, just ridiculous. Five thousand bears. Check out the pictures of this, people. It's uh, it's great stuff. Great stuff. Do you reckon there's ever been a teddy bear toss game with a hat trick as well? Well, maybe. Didn't have thought that. Because I'd feel like if I've cleaned up all those thousands of teddy bears, and then (laughs) as a member of the ice maintenance staff, I'm called back out to clear up a bunch of hats. I've got to be like, you're taking a piss, aren't you? (laughs) <laughs> yeah maybe on teddy bear and maybe on teddy bear night you're not allowed to score a high <laughs> you get two goals you get pulled for the rest of the game that's it just so, so you don't antagonize the uh the ice staff Been benched. <laughs> yeah exactly exactly all right who's getting relegated the la kings are getting relegated for uh for um you know not picking on some of their own size by trying to chirp the san jose barracuda it's like come on mate come on that's not it's not really on. They were they were getting out of the Barracuda, yeah, the AHL affiliate of the Sharks on Twitter, and uh, the Barracuda hit straight back by saying, basically, what you're so shit now that you've got to take on AHL teams. And yeah, that's the right response. Come on, if you're if you're going after teams in lower leagues, then you're clearly admitting that you're shit. They've basically relegated themselves via Twitter now. Two actual relegations this week, as I'm going to relegate the New Jersey Devils. <sighs> well. As and I'm, I'm going to steal some content here from a uh, future best friend of the show, Dmitry Filipovich, but he had a good point in that 
the Devils are so much worse than the Detroit Red Wings because the Wings are trying to be bad. The Devils thought they'd actually be a good team and are still actively trying to win games. Yeah, the, the Devils thought they'd brought in... But well, to be fair, a lot of people thought they brought in players which would make a difference for them this year. And uh, unfortunately, that seems to not be the case at all. I watch I watch the Devils actually quite a bit because obviously it's you know it's East Coast and it's it's a good time for me to kind of catch some games. So and, and on paper they've if, got some good players that are worth watching. Yeah, for sure, for sure. And I watched I watched that whole game against the Rangers. Fuck me, it was terrible. The Rangers scored two shorthand goals, one on a four minute penalty and the other on a five minute penalty. Devils were atrocious. From, atrocious. From the sounds of it, they're playing like Chica- uh, Chicago, uh, Colorado were a few years ago, when they just yeah, couldn't they even like couldn't break out properly. You could barely string a couple of passes together, barely keep possession. Sound, got no ideas. No guile. Just nothing at all. Nothing's going right for them. No, nothing at all. So, and we also talk about this now. John Hines is gone as uh, as we approach what I like to call Barube time. So not only do the Devils have to <laughs> not only do the Devils have to save their season, but they have to save a lot more. Because I mean Taylor Hall's already gotta be gone, right? Oh with Jesus Christ, like if he resigns in New Jersey then he's I don't know. I don't know what you'd say is mental. I think the Devils might be the only team in history who has to rebuild their rebuild. Yeah, I think I think they're a good example in like Taking taking your time with it, you gotta be very lucky if you're gonna kickstart your rebuild properly. And the way you kickstart your rebuild is not with an aging PK Subban and Wayne Simmons on one year five million dollar contract. You know they, we've already had decent enough evidence that first overall picks are not enough to make a great team straight away, potentially ever. You know, how can Ray Shiro not look at what's happened with the Oilers over the last? what, 45 years it feels, and not think that, right, maybe Jack Hughes and Nico Hishia is not enough. I agree. Can you imagine if they win the lottery again? <laughs> I mean, I can. We've, like, we've seen it in recent history. I did put this on Twitter, but do you think they'd get the same kind of vitriol the Oilers get? Because I don't think they would. No, I don't think so, because I think Hughes, Hishia and Lafreniere are quite of the same... I don't know, actually, on paper they're probably a bit better than the number one picks that the Oilers got, potentially. Yeah, I was thinking that. Well, no, not better than, like, because obviously Hall and, Hall and McDavid are better than the three of them, I'd say. But then you've got, what, Nugent Hopkins and now Yakupov in the middle of that. So, yeah, I don't think they would, necessarily, just because they're a bit of a forgotten franchise already. No, no one really cares about the Devils, do they? I bet, I bet if you, you know, most fans had off the top of their head forget that that they've had two number one picks in the last three years. Yeah, I agree with that. I think I think people would. I think people do forget that. Yeah, I mean, I do regularly because you don't think of them as having two number one picks. No, you don't. Because because at the same time, you don't necessarily think of them as being a particularly bad team, not the way that the Oilers have been. But it's it's just down to the difference between a Canadian team and a you know, the third largest team in their own city. All right, here's a question then. Go on. What will the Devils get in return for Taylor Hall? And kind of, to follow up on that, if you're another GM, what would you give up for Taylor Hall? 
So what do you think the Devils... I mean, clearly the Devils are going to want the classic, or maybe even more than the classic, which is a first-round pick, a prospect, and an NHL-ready player. But if you're another GM, would you offer that? Yeah, for Taylor Hall, definitely. He's as a, an MVP. When was he the MVP? 2018? Two years ago? Yeah, I'd... Not last season, season before, yeah? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah. When, when the Capitals won. Yes. Yeah, so he's, he's a very, very recent MVP... He's definitely worth, yeah, the classic. The hard thing is we haven't really got a barometer. You think, ideally, if, if Panera had been traded last year, that's the barometer sort of thing for that kind yeah. of trade. But it didn't happen, so we don't quite know what other GMs think a player who definitely isn't going to re-sign with the team is worth. Because in a lot of ways, you know, the devils, are, their hands are tied because everyone must know that they're losing the player at the end of the year no matter what. So does that? Yeah, that's what's good. That's the that's the kicker, isn't it? Is that everyone knows he's not going to resign? Yeah. So does that significant? So you'd have to have a, you'd have to have a Mark Stone situation where you've already spoken to him clearly, even though that's not allowed. So he then signs his you know eight year seventy million dollar deal within an hour of getting there. But then even, your team. even if you treat uh, Hall as a pure rental, that's hard, isn't it? Because like Mark Stone got a good Hall. A very good hole, depending on what you think of yeah. a very branch gem. But there's still like no first round pick in there. There's no well, it was a couple of prospects, a second and another pick. Is that right? No, I thought Mark Stone was Brandstrom, another player and a second rounder. I thought there was another prospect in there. Yeah, I thought there was Brandstrom, another player, and then a second oh, so, rounder. Also so just one pick. Yeah, that's what I thought. Hang that up. sounds about right, doesn't it? Uh, oh yeah, Oscar Oscar Lindbergh and a and yeah, a twenty twenty second rounder. Yeah, this year's second rounder that belongs to the Stars. Annoyingly, fucking centers. Is that it? I mean, Branstrom's a good prospect, but geez, <laughs> this is yeah, a, but, but you don't want to get caught in a Tavares situation where you get nothing. Yeah, so so that's the thing. That's the thing. So. On paper, is Taylor Hall a better player than Mark Stone? Oh, I don't know. I don't know, because the, the, the thing with Taylor Hall now is, is is his reputation taking a hit because he's on such a bad team? Like, if you look at his underlying numbers this year, are you going to be looking at him going, wow, he's clearly worth a first-round pick and an amazing prospect to get this guy into my team? Or are you thinking, oh, God, I hope his injuries don't flare back up. I hope he doesn't kind of drop off a cliff on the wrong side of 30. Do I just risk it and then get him for free in the summer? when he does his Tavares tour type thing. Mm. It's tricky. There's there's a lot of moving parts, and there's the question of, is, is Taylor Hall Matt Duchesne? Is he, you know... With, um, <laughs> like, Good point. <laughs> that's, that's the thing. He's always been on bad teams, but is there a reason for that? Is it because Taylor Hall's actually cursed? Uh, or so, <laughs> so terrible in the room? He's, uh, he's getting in the way of his coaches physically abusing the other players, so they're not getting a winning mentality. That's true, that's true. Yeah, I don't, yeah, I, I don't know, is the short answer, Dan. Like, just because trades are hard enough to work out as it is, let alone when you've got so many different variables and and sort of th- things that can be interpreted in different ways with, with the player and the situation and stuff. Like, I'd, I wouldn't be surprised if you saw two first-round picks and a prospect, but I also wouldn't be surprised if you saw yeah, a second-round pick and a prospect for him, so... I don't. I just don't think. I just don't think teams are going to pony up what the Devils think they should get because for that reason, 
Unless unless he agrees, okay, yes, you, you get me in a trade, I will sign a few immediately for this figure, like Mark Stone did. Yeah, and which, then, it's, which then I, it's fine, you don't mind. Which I think we will see, because that has sort of become the the norm, really, isn't it? Yeah. See, I think, I think we'll find out between now and February, though, won't we? Yeah, for sure. For sure. Yeah, he's definitely it's, uh, it's Taylor, Taylor Hallwatch 2019. Which, uh, which doesn't feel right. as interesting as the previous watches, but... Maybe it just hasn't ramped up enough. Maybe we've just had too much on our plate in the last few uh, last few weeks. Yeah. Okay. Uh, how many starters and scratches you got? Uh, I've got two starters and a singular scratch. I've got three starters and a singular scratch. So I shall go first. I'm going to start Matt Murray, who, before the game, Matt Murray skates over to Jacob Markstrom, and they have a little chat. And it was a, a little go, a little show of goalie love and solidarity. Matt Murray lost his father last year, and obviously Jacob Markstrom's father died this year. So it was a nice little show of respect, a nice little goalie union moment that was nice. There we go. It's beautiful. My um, we go. My first starter is Matt Murray for uh, for sharing his grief with Jacob Markstrom, <laughs> <laughs> which is good. I'm, I'm, glad, I'm glad that's the one that we've shared this week. That's that's a good one. We haven't shared one for a while. That's a so. good one. That's a nice one. God, I can't remember. Have we ever shared one before? Oh, I think we might have at some point, but yeah, I can't. it's long enough ago. We must have done, but it is that. crazy. It is crazy we don't even... As I've said before, people, we genuinely do not consult about these things before the show. We just get on the show and do it. And the fact we don't have any crossovers is usually an unbelievable thing, but there we go. There's a crossover there. But it's a good one, so that's okay. Such a touching moment that deserved a bit of crossover. Yeah, you're going to have to indulge me slightly here, Will. But David Pasternak is getting started this week for about fifty things. It, his setup for the the OT winning goal for Krejci against the Rangers was fucking just beautiful. Inside out toe drag between two players, and then no looks, no look pass to Krejci for the open net, and then his goal against the Habs, followed by his celebration reminiscent of Russell Crowe in Gladiator, was amazing. Krejci gets it to Pasternak and watch this little move. He goes around a forward, Pavel Booth, Kuchnevich. And then he throws it back to where he came from, and there's David Krejci, and goes top shelf. When Gallagher missed that breakaway, I thought to myself, man, if they strike next, this could really hurt. And that's a rolling puck I think he's firing. I don't think this puck is sitting flat. We'll try to have a better look at it here. Olsen gets caught. Weber's coming, and it's a right-hand shot shooting from the right-hand side. So the angles are even worse, and the percentages are worse, and he rips this thing off the post and in, far side. And there's Gallagher, and he knows it. He's also the first Bruins player in 45 years to reach 25 goals in the league before anyone else. He's also the first player in 23 years to get 25 goals before his 27th game. And only three players in history have scored 12 or more goals in the first two months of a season, which is Mike Bossy, Wayne Gretzky, and the fourth best player ever, Mario Lemieux. Not bad. I'm not, I'm not, not bad for young David. Not having that. Not, I'm not going to buy. What's that? I'm not going to buy. No, I'm not going to even acknowledge what you just said. What? What? What are you talking about? No, not. No means no, Dan. I'm not talking about it. Okay. But you know, huh. you know what you've said, Weird. and you know it's an untruth. Huh. Weird. Okay, we'll move on. Oh, here's my question, though. Do you think he gets fifty and fifty? Oh, I bloody hope so. I bloody hope so. I know. As much as I don't want you to be happy at all, I really, 
really want to see Pasta. Who, who else is on? I can't for, blame you. Like Ovechkin's kind of close to fifteen fifty, isn't he? No, dry. Yeah, dry yeah. is the closest. Well, Pasternak's way out in front. Oh, I hope so, because that'd be so cool to see. Especially as it, it feels like the days of fifteen fifty are, are long gone. But it could happen. It looks like it, if he carries on like this, it might. But we're about to hit the dog days of, of December, January, February. So I think yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if he slows down a bit. I was pretty annoyed last night when um, the Hurricane uh, Bruins played the Hurricanes last night, and Bruins uh, were up. So the Hurricanes pulled their goalie, and Pasternak wasn't on the ice for the empty net. I was like, "Come on, just stick him on." Got to give him a bit of help. Fifteen fifty. You'll count anyway. David Pasternak, fantastic so far. What a legend! Your, your final starter. My uh, my final starter is going to be Evgeny Malkin. He uh, he's now second in Penguins franchise history for five point games. Uh, he's got eight five point games in his career now. Uh, number one is Mario Lemieux. Un- Undoubtedly the best player ever. Uh, so Malkin's eight. Yeah, he's got eight in his career. How many do you think Lemieux got in his career? Five point games. <laughs> this is one of those great ones. It's going to be like twenty seven or something. Uh, Fifty one, Dan. <laughs> That's amazing. 51. That's amazing. What? <laughs> so good. So so good. There are certain there are certain players who just fuck up so many stat sheets with their ridiculousness. There was one the other night about John Carlson, and it was something like you know John Carlson's reached forty points in what is it twenty four games or something. Uh, he's the first player to do so since some like Al McInnes in like I don't know whatever whatever year it was, and then it listed other players who've got to forty points in twenty something games. And Bobby all was topped with 55 points into like 23 games. <laughs> That's just stupid. That's so dumb. Anytime there's a Gretzky one, like, you know, oh, this player's got his seventh hat trick of his career. Who's top of the list? Gretzky with 105. <laughs> For fuck's sake. I, I love when, <laughs> it just like, ruins it. But it's really reinforced where all the other players are quite close to each other. On yeah. this Penguins one, like, it's like Morgan with eight and then Yager and Crosby are tied with seven or whatever it might be. And yeah, just <laughs> right out there, 51. It's just... <laughs> what a player, what a player. Amazing, absolute stat busters. Good stuff. My last starter is the, the San Jose Sharks, who invited the young player who scored the Spinnerama goal into mission last week, then moonwalked. So he got to, he got to practice with them and, sh- and show, them, uh, show them some moves, and he taught them how to do the moonwalk celebration. The, now... The funny thing was, the tweet pointed out that he was teaching T.M. Meyer and Kevin LeBanc some moves. I was kind of hoping the kid was teaching Kevin LeBanc how to negotiate better contracts, but I don't think I don't think he was. But that would have been better for a better way for Kevin LeBanc to spend his time. The kid's doing his economics GCSE, and he's like, "Right, Kevin, there's something called fair market value, and I think you need to learn a bit about it." <laughs> Doesn't even need to be economics; it could be GCSE maths. That would do. <laughs> Just how much money do you make a year, Kevin? One. How much does he make? Five. Hmm. One is less than five, isn't it? Okay. That's all he needed to say. How many goals did you score last year, Kevin? Yeah. And how many did he <laughs> score? Oh, interesting. <laughs> yeah. And then he just moonwalks away. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, mate. If only. If only. Who are you scratching? I'm going to scratch. I don't know who it is. But they need to be scratched off the face of the earth, like an ex's name, off of the front of your uh, your GCSE maths exercise book. 
whoever was at the Canadians Preds game. No, I don't even know it was a Canadians Preds game. They're wearing like one of those half and half jerseys uh. of the Canadians and the Predators, and like the 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 saber tooth cat was eating the toilet bowl of the Habs. And it's just like, what? What is even happening here? Why is this? Because I, I, I'm still gobsmacked about it. So whoever was wearing that abomination, scratch yourself, and not in a good way. Yeah, I'm sorry, folks. Will and I are very progressive, but there are certain things I will not stand for in the beautiful game of hockey. And half and half jerseys is one of them. Mate, sorry, half, <laughs> half and half jerseys in any sport is just despicable. Unless, oh yeah, unless like you're you're someone's mum or dad. And it's your two sons or son and daughter. Yes. Or, or two like daughters. the Kachuks or something. Yeah, Fine. Yeah, exactly. Or the Hughes' parents. Even then. Actually, no, no, no. Sorry. Even then, no. One parent picks one kid, the other parent takes the other kid. That's it. Pick a side. Yeah, exactly. Or if you're like, uh, like Lisa on Ice. Or, or if you're a single parent, then just whoever's at home. That's whose jersey yeah. you're wearing. No, I agree. <sighs> Half and half jerseys, terrible. Half and half scarves. What are you doing? Come on. Oh, mate. People selling those. I know. That, that's like a tourist trap, though. Like, with the half and half jerseys, you have to, like, pay to get or or do it personally. And that's sinful. Sinful to me. Yeah, like, you don't you don't ever go at anyone for having, having, like, a ticket that has both teams' logos on it. And that's how I see a scarf. But, like, a jersey or a shirt, that's sacred. Yeah, that's a good point. That's a good point. Yeah, scarves we can let you off if you're a tourist. How how do you but, feel about the like anniversary shirts you get more in football than anything else? Where it's like little mashups of of all the teams' kits from last hundred years or whatever. Um, I don't mind that because it's still that's still the team. So if it's like if it's the last hundred years of Arsenal and somebody. Has a has like a piece of each jersey from last. It's still an Arsenal shirt. You're still that's still one team. That's fine. Yeah, yeah, we'll do that. My only scratch this week, and I feel I'm going to scratch this player. It may seem weird for them to be not scratched for one reason, but for this reason, but I'm going to scratch Tom Wilson for his lack of chirping ability, as he was being chirped by Joe Thornton the other night again in the game against the Sharks, and Tom Wilson chirped back. At least I have a ring. That's just cheap. That's that's cheap. I expect better than that from hockey players. <sighs> yeah, I don't know. You can't expect Tom Wilson to be the the you know brightest tool in the box, can you? No, but I feel I feel all hockey players could like hold their own with a stand up comedian if it came to kind of back and forth banter in action. Christ. I feel as a, I expect a higher level of chirping from from all hockey players at any level. What piss poor open mic night stand up comics are you watching then? <laughs> Well, clearly quite a few, but it, yeah, I don't know. Enough that you think like, hockey players have got more personality than they do? Jesus Christ. That's diabolical. You've watched those little like five-minute videos of like hockey players chirping on each other? Oh, Some yeah. of them are great. Yeah, they're good, but it's not It's not like comedy genius, though. It's just like, ah, you've got grey hair, Drew Miller. Ha-ha, <laughs> dickhead. The, the one I always really like in those compilations, have you seen the Brian Bellows one from like the 80s or 90s or whatever? Oh God, go on! You have to remind me. It's, it's just—it's like really old footage of obviously of Brian Bellows. He's skating past, I think, his old Penguins bench. They're just, just saying like, "Oh, you're real fucking good, Bellows. You're a fucking superstar." And just like, I don't know, it tickles me. 
I expect better from hockey players. I have a high standard for chirping. It should be a lot better. Yeah, I mean that's that's shameful, but I wouldn't I wouldn't hold the whole hockey community at a high comedic standard. Because most of the time it's just ah, you're a pigeon. <laughs> All right. <laughs> which yeah, which which, which gets a chuckle out of me, but uh, I don't think they deserve that much credit. All right, let's move on. What have we got? What have we got? Marlboro Wiki. Before we get onto the news, we are on Spotify, iTunes, Google Podcasts, YouTube, and other places that are not quite as famous. If you ever feel so inclined, then Will and I would love a five-star review. Yes, we would. Thank you very much. Okay, onto the news. The first thing is, I let's get this crap out of the way first, because I don't want to go on about it, because we did this last week, and I wanted to jump off a bridge at the end of the show. Christ, we've done the as you could probably tell, Will, after we finished stuff. recording, I was fucking, like, miserable. Well, so It was grim, as, as we should be, though, because it's a grim subject. Yeah, yeah, it was. But anyway, so this week, lots of things have happened, but we'll try and cover it all in a nice little tight bundle here. Bill Peters is gone in Calgary. He resigned late last week, thank God. Ron Francis and Peter Karmanos have got into a he said, he said, where Karmanos said in a statement, if he knew about Bill Peters physically attacking players in Carolina, he would have fired him on the spot. Laying, of course, some blame at uh, Ron Francis' door. Ron Francis then made a statement saying he told management about it and nothing else occurred. What are, you, what are your thoughts on this whole situation? I think, like, that's cheap from Carlos, really, isn't it? Like, because yeah. nobody can prove what happened and he's not even involved in the league at all anymore. So it's like, to, to come out and, and say something like that, it's like, trying, to, trying to wash your hands of the situation when nobody can really prove how involved you were in the first place anyway. So it's just... Needless and cheap. I think, I think Seattle need to bin off Francis, don't they? This is what I was. I mean, like Francis is trying to keep his job in Seattle before it's even started properly. I know. <laughs> like his job's already in danger. There isn't even a team there yet. Like it's a hard one, though, isn't it? Because we want people to change, and we want people to grow, and we want people to acknowledge their mistakes. But what? You know, where where do you, where do you draw the line, sort of thing? Can we can we accept that Francis has learned from his mistakes and, and should be given an opportunity to not make things right, but you know, act differently in his in his future tenure with Seattle, or or should he be punished with the rest of uh, the people who are involved in the situation? I know, and it is tough because we've had this. I've had this kind of thing at work where somebody does something and there's an investigation, and. If Francis is saying he told management about what happened and you can't prove that he didn't, what do you do? You can't just... I mean, if if you're asking my personal opinion, I don't believe Francis told them anything. I believe that Francis probably said to whatever, just get on with it, it's fine. We'll just, we'll just keep, you know, we won't say anything, who cares? Because I think he's probably, you know, he's old school hockey dude, that's what I believe. But I can't prove that. And so does he need, you know, is it fair if he loses his job on something you can't prove? No, it's not, really. That's kind of where you are. I think I think what you can prove though, out of the Carolina situation is neither Bill Peters nor Ron Francis left their positions, you know, during that time sort of thing, which says that either Ron Francis didn't report it to management and then subsequently didn't fire Bill Peters for it, or try and get him fired for it. Or if Francis did report it to management, he didn't then resign his post in a sort of protest of, well, if you're going to enable Peters to carry on like this, then I'm going yeah, good instead point. sort of thing. 
good point. So, yeah, there's there's evidence that yeah we don't like you say we don't know exactly what happened, but we can ascertain that something wasn't done properly by Ron Francis, this sort of thing. <sighs> do we do we allow the man to to prove that he's changed? Is a a question for people smarter than I am. Yep, uh, and then later in the week, even more stories about Mike Babcock came out. Uh, Chris Chelios said that basically Babcock is a massive egotist and he would assert his power over the veteran players, even if it was to the detriment of the team. I mean, God, just you can find transcripts of his interview or listen to the show, but just tons of situations where Babcock would, the Mike Madano thing, like leaving him at 1,499 games. He scratched him for like the last 10 games of the season, something like that, so he wouldn't hit 1,500. Jason Spezza, obviously early this year, playing against Ottawa, former Ottawa player, didn't have him play. The outdoor game where Chelio said he was going to play, so Babcock played him for two minutes and then sat him for the rest of the game, like he dressed seven D-men, and then that, you know, that happened. There's reports of Babcock allegedly sort of pinning press guys up against the wall, screaming at him, saying, you know, you're not going to cover this team if you, you know, unless you talk about things I want to talk about and all this kind of shit. So Mike's probably water skiing somewhere or fucking normal skiing somewhere, just thinking, oh God, there's just a literal, a literal avalanche of shit coming his way, probably. Yeah, but an, an avalanche of his own shit that he shat on other people for years. So yeah, yeah. fucking deserves it. And all that stuff with Johan Franzen. Oh god, yeah, I forgot about that. Yeah. Babcock's reign of terror is over. And it's it's funny looking at it's it's one of those classic things where the writing was on the wall for like the whole time, basically. When you look back like yeah. you know, the Madonna being stuck on one thousand four hundred and ninety nine games thing has has been a well known fact for years and years and years, and it's just one of those funny things in life where when you have the other pieces to put together around it, it's like, oh yeah, that's actually a really big red flag that he did that to a player of that prestige. As we said last last week, I'm glad that this is enabling and empowering players to come out against the uh, against the abuse they suffered for years and years at the heart, hands of various coaches. Yeah, Franson called him like yeah, Franson called Babcock the worst person he's ever met, which a few people have, which a few people have said. He's just the worst human being they've ever met, which is fucking unbelievable. <laughs> That's a pretty impressive title to hold, isn't it? It's not bad, it's not bad. Uh, yeah, other ones are Jamie LeBlanc, the head athletic trainer and equipment manager of the Swift Cunt Broncos, has been fired due to unprofessional conduct. Various players have came forward to accuse Mark Crawford, including Brent Sopel, Sean Avery and Patrick O'Sullivan. And Crawford's currently with the Blackhawks as an assistant, obviously, and has been suspended while he's being investigated. Yeah, again, another one of like, oh, who could have seen this coming with Mark Crawford, the guy who ordered the hit on Steve Moore? A, I know. a guy who's literally been in court for his involvement in violence in hockey. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, not to, not to just blow in white horse or anything like that, but the signs have been there for years about these people. Absolutely donkey's ears. Like Mark Crawford should have never been back in the league. I don't know. At least it would seem some semblance of justice is being enacted out now against these people. Yes, and then I think it was uh, I think it was Monday. Some good news finally was that uh, Akim Alou has met with Gary Bettman and Bill mm-hmm. Daly. He uh, he came out afterwards and sort of uh, made a little statement saying he's hopeful there are big changes on the way, which looks like it could include. 
comprehensive harassment and a discrimination policy, a whistleblower and retaliation protection for players, which fucking sounds unreal that you need like retaliation protection. But yeah, like we are there. Well, I suppose that'd be for, for like, you know, losing your place in the team or whatever, rather than yeah, I don't yeah, know, getting a brick yeah. thrown through your window or something like that. Encouraging more diversity and inclusion, and then breaking the culture of silence, which we talked about last week, which was the it stays in the room culture, which has to change as well. Absolutely, like the whole the whole culture needs to change. The idea of the code needs to just be abolished, really, doesn't it? Yeah, for sure, for sure. Hopefully, if this all changes around, and it looks like it is heading that way, at least we are taking things slowly, but it's things are moving. It seems. I can just think in 10 years, we're going to look back and say, Christ, how did we not see these things right in front of us? How did we not do anything about it? I'm hoping we get to the point where it just seems alien to us that these things ever even happened. Yeah, absolutely. If we can get to the point where scoffing at the idea that it wasn't more obvious to us, that means we've gone in the right direction and we've made some significant progress. So, yeah, here's hoping we're all feeling and looking like idiots five years down the line, two years down the line, whatever, it, however quick it can happen. Okay, let's move on to some on-ice news. Yeah, and... the, the, the more pleasant sort of news. Yeah, where we can make fun of people in teams. That's Yeah, our, our speciality. <laughs> Enjoy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Speaking of impartiality, let's talk about Mark Bergevin feeling the heat. Did you know, Will, that so far this season there have been 13 teams who've had a losing streak of five or more games? Um, yeah, I don't know who any of those teams could possibly be. <laughs> Some 13, doesn't 13 seem like a lot, though? Yeah, it does seem like a lot, but at the same time, five five games or more feels like a bit of a low bar. Really? Yeah, but we've only, we've only played 20... What? 27 games so far? Uh, We're about 27 games in. Yeah. So far, 13 teams have lost five or more games in a row. Yeah, that's true. I wonder what the number is on average after 82. Like, how many teams? Checking what you get over 20 teams that lose five in a row in a season on average. Yeah, good point. So, mm. like, yeah, that is pretty surprising this early in the in the season. But at the same time, you could still get you could still be a 500 team having lost five games in a row. True. True. Yeah, you could you could get your anyway. loser point. Yeah, that's that's impressive, and I assume the Canadians are one of those thirteen teams. Yeah, the latest team. I know they. Uh, I know they. They won their first game in nine last night, but the latest team was the Habs, who for the first time in eighty years, as I mentioned in the smooth recap, uh, went winless eight games in a row. And the Hulk is definitely feeling the heat in Montreal. A mere eight years into his five-year plan. Isn't, well, <laughs> isn't that crazy? The... That he's been around for eight years now. <laughs> no. And right now they're kind of they're kind of stuck in no man's land. And and so here's my question is, do they just jet this or Canucks this and see it out with the young players? Or do they have to make a move to try and bolster their ranks by a trade? Well, I mean, they need to try and make a move, but it's more to get rid of the the dead weight or soon to become dead weight in Carey Price and, and Shea Weber. I don't know. I don't know because, like, yeah, ideally you make a good good move, bolster your defense, and and try and go from there and try and almost blues your way to a to a cup. But even the Blues had some level of great game breaking talent in um in Vlad Tarasenko. It's yeah, the, the, I know Riley. 
yeah, O'Reilly deserves to be considered in that in that regard as well. The problem is the the Canadians are, are deep enough at forward, but they just haven't got anyone who who is that sort of game breaking elite elite talent. And then they've got a relatively average defense, average to bad defense, and one of two extremely overpaid goalies in the league. I think if I if I was if I was better around, I'd I'd probably just see it out. Or def- no, no, in an ideal world, I'd see it out. But he's got a you know hear the knocks coming at his door, so he probably will make some sort of trade to try and seem like he's actually doing something. Because if he doesn't do anything, he's definitely going to get sacked. I think I, I think I'd make a trade because you have to like you can't bank on the fact yeah. that it's suddenly going to just turn around and everything's going to be you know hunky dory because that's the only way. if he doesn't do anything they carry on losing or they don't get noticeably better then he's gone exactly and God we were, I'm sure we discussed this on one of our first shows but they are still looking for a quality one C they still haven't got that first line center who like you say is that player who can. This guy drives our team. He makes us all move, you know. Well, Cock and the Emmy could become that, but it's only his second season in the league. But yeah, he's not exactly. Uh, he's not there yet, is he? No, exactly. And the thing with the Canadians is, is that they have they have drafted well, so they have they have decent young talent, like Ryan Poling, Suzuki, Cock and Yemi, Josh Brook, Cole Caulfield. They've got twelve picks as well. They've got twelve picks this year. That's crazy. You could easily, you could easily package one of those players, a first, and like two fourths, to try and you know bring in that O'Reilly type player. Because when Ryan O'Reilly was traded, it was that was seen as a, that's kind of worked out for both teams. The Sabres got four pieces back, I think, and the Blues got what they thought was you know was their one C, and he and he turned out to be that. It took a while to get going, obviously, but he turned out to be that player. Now I don't know. The question then is. Who who would the Canadians get? That's I I have no idea. I have no idea. Because obviously you're looking at like you say, you're looking at Weber's and Price's contracts and you know, you're never really gonna have that kind of that much cash to spend if you're trying to fill out the rest of your team. So I don't know. But I I think there was a report this week as well, like attendance is down. Because at the Bell Centre they they announced they announced an attendance that was something like a hundred below capacity. And there was clearly like a thousand seats empty or something like that. It was clear that the 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 announced attendance wasn't the attendance. Yeah, which is impressive for Montreal because you know the whole thing with with the Canadians is they sell out what you know rain or shine sort of thing. That's not going to look good. That's not going to look good to the higher ups, is it? Because as we've said before, the the other side of hockey is it's the uh, it's the side that fills people's pockets, and if crowds are down in Montreal, then the owners and the uh, you know all the bigwigs are going to be sort of hang on a minute we need to do something here because we can't keep having this. Well, they'll probably take and a then, swing for Taylor Hall, won't they? Not that... Right now, he is a player who is out there, available, and can be that player. Yeah, like but I, then... I don't necessarily think he's in an ideal world. He's not the player you go for, but he, like you said, no. is the only one who's strictly available of that level of talent. So, and and it's that age old one of if you can add a Taylor Hall, you're always at a a player of his caliber, no matter whether you need him or not. Would they not? Would they not do what they always do and just try and play him at centre? Oh, I'd love <laughs> to see that. I'd love to see that. 
play a bit deep. Because that's the that's the thing, isn't it? They've never just gone and got a center. I mean, to be fair, they've been drafting centers, but like you say, it's how, you know how long does Bergevin have before he can keep saying, "I just need a bit more time for these players to develop, just a bit more time." Just got to find that centre. Yeah, yeah. I still can't believe that he's been on the job for eight years. That's crazy. I can't either. Here we are. Yeah. But then, like we say, you know, would you dare go and fire him? I wouldn't. (laughs) I'd I'd send someone else to go and fire him. (laughs) Or do it over the phone. Just a goon. If if I'm Jeff Molson, I'd just be in a helicopter and then phone him. Say, Mark, (laughs) you're. uh, he couldn't because once he hooked up he could jump into the air and grab the helicopter <laughs> rip it out of the sky yeah you'd have to be in another country or something or you'd, have, or you'd have to send somebody equally you'd have to kind of get Loki or Christ I don't know yeah, Superman no, you, or something to be on your side you, to deliver the message because it couldn't kill him you wouldn't be in a helicopter like outside of his office you'd be on the other side of the hemisphere matter. constantly on the move <laughs> so you can never find oh, your location I know he, you know he gets to do it, don't you? You know the guy who jumped out the hot air balloon in space? Is it Felix Baumgartner? Yeah, you get yeah. him to do it. Just yeah. ring him from that balloon, oh, that, um, that air balloon, what? Yeah, the space balloon. What, and then he jumps out and hurtles back to Earth where a, an enraged Mark Bergevin is waiting to catch him <laughs> and tear him in half. Shit, you found a flaw in my plan. That's, That's point. You, you, want, you want the opposite. You want a geezer that goes from Earth up into space, not space back down to Earth. Ah, that's what you do then. The next time somebody has to go up to the space station, as they're like five, four, three. Hello, Mark. You're fired. Lift off. <laughs> of space shuttle, and off it goes. I, I still, but that's still dangerous because he he knows where they're going, and then he he can track them online where they are at any given point. You see, do you know what the problem is? You see, we've found out the problem here is I've thrown three or four different scenarios at you and you've proven every time why Mark Bergevin just cannot be fired. So it's, it's just not going to happen. <laughs> doesn't matter where you are, he'll find you. For the for the sake of humanity, we can't fire Mark Bergevin. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's not, it's, not, um, it's not for the sake of whoever's going to deliver the message. It's for the sake of the human race. Oh, yeah, we can't fire Mark Bergevin. Because if he goes on the <laughs> That's why he's been there for eight years. It's just over, isn't it? I mean, you probably, probably. I mean, other pl- other players have other players have not performed as well. I mean, Thomas Tatar, Philip Deneau, um Brendan Gallagher, Max Domi, all had big years last year, big years, and they've just they've all dropped off. I don't know why. Is it the is it Julien? I don't know. He he seems to not be getting any stick in Montreal. A lot of people in Montreal are still saying he is the right guy for the job. We think he is a good coach, and we think he's doing the right things. But like I've said before. You can't fire the entire team. It's it's one guy. Yeah, I mean, the, obviously the the blame lies with the players because they're the ones who play the games. So I'm told. But I think these players aren't as good as they need to be. You know what I mean? It's not it's not Max Domi's fault. He's not Sidney Crosby. You know what I mean? Max yeah, Domi, I know what you mean. Max Domi is a bad example because everything happens to Max Domi is Max Domi's fault. But you know, it's not Brendan Gallagher's fault that he's not Taylor Hall or Alex Ovechkin or whatever. Like, just because you had a career year last year doesn't mean that it's your fault that you don't then repeat your career year and you go back to the mean sort of thing. But, yeah, I, I think I think this would be Bergevin's last year if they don't make the playoffs again, which it looks like they probably won't. Just quickly to come back to Taylor, like, if you're a Taylor Hall, would you go there? 
Or as we've said before, would you rather go to a team that you think actually this team, this team can win? Like this team will win. I, I wouldn't. I want to win. He's gonna want to play in the playoffs. He's like, what was it? Once in like eight years or something he's ridiculous. Had, he's had five playoff games in his entire career. He's played five playoff games in his career. He's a heart winner, and he's played five playoff games in his career. I wouldn't. I one hundred percent wouldn't sign a contract with Montreal, but he doesn't have any trade protection, does he? So. Oh yeah, true. True. Good point. So yeah, that's what I'm saying. They they trade for him, and he wouldn't sign because he's got he's had experience at Edmonton. Imagine how how scared he must be of going to Montreal. Yeah, true. But yeah, at the same time, like I I could see him trading for him even if because yeah, Mark Bergevin's got nothing to lose really because he must understand that he's going to be on the block if he doesn't do something. Yeah, you swing for the swing for the fences. Yeah, and and Taylor Hall's the only fence you can swing for at the moment. And like I said, they have got the pieces to do it, so it does kind of make sense. I could see it. I could see it. I mean, I I don't necessarily know whether it will happen, but I think there's a chance that they'll have the best package to offer as as far as the you know, teams that might be interested. I don't know. I'm still sticking with my original week, and we called this months back was the Avs. Oh yeah, I think he'll. Like, I still think he'll end up there, won't he? They can af- they can afford for definitely they can afford definitely to lose picks, lose a couple of prospects. Great young team, plenty of cap. They got still got cap space. Like it's a good you know it's a good team, and they got good depth. Yeah, I do, I do kind of want to see him go there, as much as I really really don't want to see him go there. <laughs> At least you get to watch him a lot, Will. Yeah, that's which is just what I want to see the the abs tearing the stars <laughs> apart more than they already have. <laughs> oh, sorry, I. Shit, I don't want to bring this up. I, th- I I genuinely thought I genuinely thought you were going to scratch the uh, the Dallas Stars for their performance again against the Jets because of what Line said afterwards. <laughs> well, I, I, I don't like to repeat myself, but what what did Line say after the game? Uh, it was something along the lines of "I wish we played these guys every week because I'd score way more goals." <laughs> what a bastard! And it's true. Like he's yeah, from, it's true. Yeah, from the moment he came into the league, he's just been. A star killer. And it's... What a prick. What a funny bastard. <laughs> I want hockey Shit, players like... to have more personality and drop more quotes, but not like this. Not on my expense, Dan. Patrick Kleine and Taylor Hall in your league. Oh, shit, dude. <laughs> I feel bad. That'd be terrible. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm not excited by the prospect, but for the good of the game, you know, take one for the team and all that. Anyway, let's move on. Uh, did you notice what happened to the Blackhawks this week with the with the salary cap? Oh yeah, they could only dress seventeen skaters, which is my favourite thing that happens. Whenever a team is so close to the cap, they can't call someone up when a player's injured. Oh, absolute chef's kiss to that sort of situation, especially when it's augmented by the fact that the team's shit on top of it. That's the thing, isn't it? For a team that bad to be against the cap. And only be able to dress seventeen skaters. So, just for backstory, without without you having to become the Stephen Hawking of salary cap issues, the Blackhawks lost two players on Monday. One of them was Robin Lehner, and they had to call up a backup goalie, meaning they had to send a roster player down, which only left them with two hundred thirty-seven thousand dollars available in cap space. And there you go. Obviously, the minimum is seven hundred thousand, so they couldn't call anyone up. And it's just lovely. And then, it- on top of that, as well. With Mitch Marner on his way back, the Leafs have to send the Leafs sent down uh, Nick Shaw, who went on waivers, who was picked up by the Jets. They've got to send down three more players as well, and then once they've done that, 
they'll have enough cap space for 21 players. And then if the same situation happens to them, that happened to the Blackhawks, the Leafs will also be undermanned. Which, like, it's insane. It's insane what this cap has done to teams. That they've just... It's crazy. Like, for, for teams to be that tight against the cap and to be in situations where they might have to start not dressing enough skaters... I just find that insane. That's the thing. It's not what the Caps done to teams. It's what the teams have done to themselves. Ah, true, true. If there was better cap management, like like the Blackhawks being a great example, you look at their forward court and there's so many like bargain basement contracts there. But there's also, you know, Brandon Saab for six million. There's there's Andrew Shaw for what four, four and a half. Yeah, Brent Seabrook. Well overpaid. And then, yeah, I was going to say, you get to the defence and it's just six overpaid geezers. And well, and Duncan Keith on top of it. Like, you've got your Ollie Matters, you've got your, you know, some of them are serviceable defencemen, like Calvin Hand and stuff like that. But, like, you can't afford to have that many players who aren't worth that money. Like, they've got to be paying near 30 million for their decor. It's not worth it in the slightest. I'm just checking. So I've got yeah, Connor Murphy's making three point eight five million. Is stuff like that. Like Connor Murphy is not worth that. Like, and you can replace Connor Murphy for one and a half million tops. Was I right? How much are they spending total on their D? It's got to be about thirty, isn't it? It's tw- shade under twenty eight. That's still too much. What you got? Seabrook coming in at six point eight or something. Keith. Yep. Keith's five and a half. Calvin DeHaan four and a half. Ollie Matters four. Connor Murphy 3.85, Gustafsson 1.2, and then Dennis Gilbert at uh, 9.25, and Slade Kirkuk at 9.25. Yeah, that's that's crazy. Obviously, the last three are definitely not the problem, but it's the first four that really are. Like, so yeah, no no sympathy for these teams, only gloating and joy at their idiocy and lack of maths. I just, I just, I just, they decided to give Robin Lane a 5 million quid for one year. I mean, that's not a problem, though, is it? Ah, true, true. Because he's... I, yeah, I see your point. It's a lot of money, especially when what, they're giving Crawford six. Yeah. Yeah, so like 11 million tied up in two goalies is, is a lot to have tied up in two goalies. But yeah, that's... It's it's the building up of all these different, you know, middle-class contracts sort of thing, isn't it? Obviously, I've got the two, the two biggies in Tate and Kane, but it's when you're... When you're sort of building up all these little three and a half, four, four and a half, that's where it all all kicks in. Like like we said the other week with with the Maple Leafs, but on on the flip side, their trouble is an embarrassment of riches. They've got all these players like your Johnsons, your Kapanins, that sort of thing. Yeah, your Kafuts, who earn more than you'd want to be paying them because they play better than they need to play. If that makes any sense. Yeah, no, you're right. I just realised as well, uh, Alex Debrinkert's 6.4 kicks in next year as well. Oh, God, they're going to have to send that. Which, like... don't get me wrong, don't get me wrong, totally worth it. Yeah, but crikey. <laughs> you're, trying to find, you're trying to find cap space. You've now got to find space for $6.4 million. They're going to go from 11, skate, 11 forwards and 60 men to plumbing 11 skaters and 40 men just to fit Alex Debrinkert in. Dylan Strome is RFA next year. This is his last year. Eight hundred and sixty grand. He needs paying next year. He'll he'll get probably five, five and a half. 
How's he before? How's Dylan Strome doing this year? Let's have a quick look. He's injured at the moment. I don't think he's doing as well as he did last year, but I reckon he'll still get paid that. <laughs> Seven, dude, seventeen in twenty-three. Not bad. Oh, that's not well, bad. Yeah, I've I've been wrong before. Um, that's enough for a six million dollar player nowadays, isn't it? I think so. Yeah. Christ. Oh, excellent. Long may long may it continue. Yeah, so the fact the Blackhawks were that up against the cap, and so far Alex Debrink at this season is making seven hundred and seventy grand, and next year he's making six point four. Yep, it's it's another example of not taking advantage of your cheap players by playing your by overpaying your bad players, and it just happens time and time and time again. I think this is the first, this is the first time I remember for a long time that a team's been so bad against the cap that they've had to they've been like undermanned. Happened to the Penguins. I, mean, I know, year, it's, you it? know, I know it's due to injuries and stuff, but in the year two thousand nineteen, we've got a you know we've got a professional hockey team not able to kind of manage its roster properly. That's ridiculous. It's crazy. Yeah, I, th- I think it happened to the Penguins last year because of because of injuries as well. But yes. Oh yes, you're right. It did. Yes. It's still infrequent enough that it should be absolutely ridiculed and enjoyed when it does happen. <laughs> There's been a lot of talk this week about Kale McCarr. He's already a lock for the Calder. And maybe in the Norris conversation. So I had a quick look. And I saw that uh, obviously Quinn Hughes is the guy who's second favourite. And he's been overshadowed a little bit. McCarr currently sat on 26 points and Hughes on 23. As we all know, in any statistical data, points is all that matters. I thought I'd have a little a little look and see how they stack up on the ice. And it's pretty it's pretty interesting, Will. Because you would think Kel McCarr was miles ahead of Hughes in every single category, and he isn't. I'm gonna I've done a little bit of research, I'm gonna throw some stats at you, if that's alright. Please, please do, please do. I love a good stat. This is a all strengths via natural stat trick, obviously. Shout out to those guys. Kel McCarr Corsi, fifty seven point five. Quinn Hughes, sixty three point five. Goals four, Kel McCarr. 69.5, Hughes 65, shooting, McCarr 58, Hughes 62, scoring chances, McCarr 61, Hughes 61, high danger chances, McCarr 66, Hughes 63. It's pretty even, from what I can see. It's pretty, it's pretty close. I forget who had a, someone had a really good tweet outlining him, sort of thing, the differences. I'm reluctant to do it because Kyle McCarr's fantastic, but I'm I'm unfortunately contractually obliged to back Quinn Hughes for for the corner and say that he deserves it more than Kyle McCarr just because of the, the similarities between uh, you know Hughes and McCarr this year to uh, Haskin and, and Darlene last year with you know McCarr ah, okay, being yeah. Darlene and uh, and Haskin and being Hughes sort of thing. Just where Hughes has, has faced tougher competition, etc., etc., you know, less favourable zone starts and all that, and and he's uh, and he's still up there in the counting stats with Hugh, with uh, with McCarr. I think yeah, definitely, definitely, um, it's McCarr's to win, McCarr's to lose, as it were, and he definitely deserves it. But legally, I have to be Team Hughes on this one, unfortunately. Well, that's the thing. After, after looking into looking into their stats a little bit and kind of crunching the numbers, if you if I got a Norris a Norris Christ, if I got a call to vote and you asked me to do it today, I would really struggle to pick who I'd pick number one. Oh, yeah. It's not it's not that clear for me anymore. 
looking at these numbers, I was doing the same thing. I was kind of just reading all the fancy headlines. And when you look at these numbers, it's way closer, way closer than anyone's anyone's looking at. Definitely. And, and I'm sure he probably is in, in Vancouver and probably Canadian media at large, but it feels like Quinn Hughes isn't getting the same sort of love that McCarr is. Which yeah, not should at all. be no not surprise to anyone as as yeah, the hockey world can only enjoy one rookie defenseman at once. <laughs> There's only room for one. Yeah, absolutely. His talent isn't big enough for the both of us, but fair play to Quinn Hughes. Unsurprisingly, gonna be a fantastic D man in the NHL. And this isn't this isn't to play down obviously, you know, what Kel McCarr's done or his ability oh, or anything. He is a fantastic player. Absolutely terrible. I was um... he should be considered for the Norris, without a doubt. Oh yeah, completely, completely. I was talking to uh, Silver Badge Pro and and Clements on Twitter this week, and you know we were just kind of marveling about his ability and stuff, and it was kind of mad. But I was looking at uh, the draft he was taken in uh, in twenty seventeen, but McCarr wasn't even projected to be top ten overall. He was projected ninth overall just via American skaters, but then there were like the Europeans ahead of him, like Pettersson, Heskinen, um, Martin Natchez was ahead of him. Shout out to the Avalanche for taking him at fourth because I think it kind of may, may have surprised a few people. Oh yeah, definitely. Well, he was playing. Um, he was playing in the AJHL, the Alberta Junior Hockey League, which isn't even. It's like second tier junior. Yeah. So he wasn't. I think that, you know, there's always hesitancy to to take players who aren't playing in the top tier of their age group, sort of thing. So yeah, definitely. Uh, there was part of a prejudice on that part, but it's still. It doesn't detract from the fact that Colorado took a bit of a swing for him and, and it definitely worked out. Yeah, I'll say. Jesus Christ. And was that... that was that with one of... No, that wasn't with the the Ottawa pick, was it? No, that was this year, wasn't it? That was it? this year for Byron Byron. Yes, that's right, yeah. Absolutely great pick. Yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll be... I'll, like, he won't get... He won't get the Norris... I doubt he'll even be a finalist for Norris, but he should, he'll yeah he'll no. walk to the Calder. Absolutely. Yeah, I'd still t- I'd still take Carlson or Heskinen for the Norris at the moment. <sighs> yeah, I think not Eric Carlson, John Carlson. Yeah, John Carlson. <laughs> yeah, I don't, I don't think as much as Heskinen deserves it in my own biased opinion. I I don't think he'll be a finalist either. Really? No, I don't think so. He doesn't. I don't think I don't think he'll win it. I think Carson will win it because he'll get the most points, and that's what matters when you're a defenseman, apparently. As you know, as we all know. But. Well, I mean, if you're if you're doing crazy things in the in the scoring department, which Carlson definitely is, then you deserve some recognition for it. But um, yeah, I know what you mean it's a it's a it's a nuanced position that isn't treated as nuanced as it should be when it comes to awards voting. But so speaking of uh, Dallas D men, Julius Honker. And oh. Jesse Pugliarvi are not coming back. They are still exiled to Europe. So <laughs> exile. They've been exiled. Well, they'll be there for the time being, at least. Here's here's the thing with this. Then, do you think the Stars and the Oilers saw what happened with Nylander and just thought we're not doing any of that? Like we have to, we have to stay in control. We have to be the team that has the power. And unless we get the offer we want, that's it. We're not just going to get rid of him because we want to get rid of him. Yeah, yeah, I think so, and I think for from you know the buyer's perspective, they've got to be looking at right. We're only if a couple of months into a season or whatever. You know, you can't buy on just two months worth of production sort of thing, because yeah, Paul Yarvi and Honker are both doing well out in Finland, but yeah, I think if if I was 
wanting to to give it a go, I'd I'd want to see a full season's worth of production before I bit on it, sort of thing. So yeah, true, good point. Yeah, and if they have if they have good seasons, then obviously it bumps up their price, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah, exactly. I, I think they'll both definitely move in the summer. I just think, yeah, everyone's got to be waiting to see. Right, let's see what they actually do in a full season, rather than yeah, you know, anyone can have a hot streak and and keep going, yeah, you know, up until Christmas. I I still don't think that either of them will get much of a much of a package back. I think if if anything involving a third round pick in a, in either of the trades, I'd be I'd be surprised. Not that the players don't deserve it, but it's just the the situation. Like we're talking about with Taylor Hall, you can't really read what's going to happen necessarily. RFAs that aren't going to sign that are ultimately unproven for whatever reason in the league. Yeah, I don't think there's going to be a massive package swung for either of the players. Well, do you remember last year when the Ottawa Senators were making headlines on the ice for being terrible and they were making headlines off the ice for being terrible? R- roughly, what, it was like, all the wrong reasons. Cody CC setting people on fire. Yeah, things like that, Did... and secret recordings and all kinds of stuff. <laughs> How the times have changed! Not only now are the senators looking better on the ice and seem to be making progress, and people think that they're kind of on the right track. Their players are now making headlines off the ice, as Mark Boriecki is, as his nickname suggests, Borrow Cop. This week performs a well tries to performs a citizen's arrest. He does aid in taking down a, a miscreant and retrieving somebody's stolen goods. Saw this suspicious guy just kind of like shuffling down the sidewalk, and he had a bike with him. So I hear this huge, well, I'll see him, and hear this huge bang, and I just hear this like blue Chevy Impala. The passenger side window just shatters. I yelled at him from across the street, and I was like, "Put the bag down, bro." You know, I started trotting across the street, and I was like, dude, like, put the bag down. At this point, I started running towards him because I knew he was going to take the bag. So, I don't know, like five or like three hard pedals towards me, thinking, I don't know if you thought I was just going to ram me or if I was going to jump out of the way. Um, and I had my baby stuff in my right hand, so with my left arm, I just kind of, like, reflexively, like, oh, clear the air. I didn't, like, like, you know, my first thought was if I absolutely destroy this guy and he gets hurt, like, what are the legal ramifications for me here because I could have done some damage so I was like try to do this as gently as I can so I just like kind of hooked my left arm and sort of like under his arm and like pulled him off the bike to the ground and like that was the same arm that had the bag so I had like his arm and the bag on my left left arm I think and uh, he was like down kind of like trying to get away from me swearing at me and I was just ready like kind of like waiting if it can't be pulled something sharp I was gonna drop my baby supplies and crack him one but uh he just kind of like got his bike and went away and again i didn't really know like what the the rules of engagement so to speak were like whether i could pin him down or you know like how hard i could hit him so i was like i'm just gonna make sure i don't like physically hurt this guy but get the bag back and the cops kind of had a good chuckle about that with me after and i called them and just waited by the car because there was a bunch of snowboards in there and and other stuff and the cops uh were like yeah you know took my statement and said uh, they'd try to contact whoever it was so they opened the bag up and first thing they found was a couple of passports so uh right place at the right time yeah it's, it's good i, w- I want to see the uh the follow-up interview with uh with eugene melnick where they're both just sitting in a couple of armchairs talking about hockey and say let's all right how about we now talk about vigilanteism he's like well eugene do i have a story for you we're good good on baraki it's weird isn't it <laughs> 
Is, the plot twist for me was was that the robber was Eugene, and he was trying to steal a bag of cash because <laughs> he needs the money. A bag. And that's why Boreki let him go. A bag it's of like, blood. Mark, it's me. It's like, oh shit, Eugene, quick run. I'll tell the police you were someone else. He was in such deep cover that even his, uh, his, uh, his comrade in arms, Boreki, didn't recognise him. <laughs> it was fantastic. Was it? He said he, he basically, yeah, the guy, rode, the guy rode a bicycle at him at high speed and he took him down. That was the thing. I didn't get a lot of the geezers on the bike and Boreki's like, well, I'll just lamp you, I suppose. <laughs> Punched a geezer off a bike. <laughs> he said, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put his... Um, I've got his interview, so I'm going to put it in. But he, yeah, he basically said that he didn't want to. He didn't want to smash the guy off the bike in case the guy got really hurt, which is true. You want to be a vigilante, but you sometimes think, well, if somebody comes into my house and tries to rob me, and I end up stabbing them somehow or something, am I going to prison? Like, what's the, this guy's trying to rob me? Like, what's the deal here? Yeah, that's the thing, especially where like he's in a public place and stuff, and like Borowiecki doesn't really have any. He wasn't acting in self-defense. He wasn't. Yeah. Yeah, he was acting in the public interest, you could argue, or whatever. Yeah, I mean, Jesus Christ, if Boracchi had, like, killed the guy, if he'd have pushed him off and he'd hit his head or something, Boracchi could have gone down for manslaughter, I think. <laughs> exactly, exactly. If he ever wants to be a hero, it's not like the movies, folks. It really isn't. <laughs> yeah, there's a reason those people wear, the, wear a mask. It's because what they're doing is highly illegal as well. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's why Batman wears a mask. He's actually a very illegal person doing illegal things. And that's why he doesn't wear hockey pads, because he's got the money from his illegal activity to afford custom-made Kevlar armour. Boroki said as well that he doesn't. he's not exactly the biggest guy or the best guy who's a fighter on the ice, but he says in the street he fancies himself. <laughs> Fucking hell. Like, no, he didn't. Yeah, he did. He did. Mate. It was words to that effect. It was like he said, like you know, people in the street. I think you know, I can handle myself pretty well. <laughs> I said something like that. <laughs> I love the idea. Poor Wacky going down the shops, just like eyeing everybody up, like, yeah, I can have you. I can have you. You're fucking nothing, mate. Easy, I've got you. <laughs> he's like, um, he's like in the born supremacy, the born identity. He's just sat in a cafe talking to his wife. Do you know what I know? I know I could kill that guy. <laughs> I know I could beat that guy up there. I know the guy behind the bar weighs this much and probably has a gun, but I think I could take him out. I could still, <laughs> right, Mark? I could still one Eat your eggs. shot him. <laughs> <laughs> that guy sat in the booth over there. I could kill him with one finger. I'll watch. You watch me. I'll do it. Mark, sit down. Eat your eggs. Sorry, I, sorry. I, I can see the, the mugshot already where he's holding that, yeah, the, the <laughs> criminal number or whatever, and he's in front of a, a height thing. <laughs> Senators defensemen involved in uh, in street fracas. Yeah. Involuntary manslaughter. Kills man on push bike. <laughs> like walking around with his shirt off and some MMA gloves on. Like just trying to fight people. <laughs> I'm the fucking daddy out here. <laughs> they call me Borrow Cop. Oh, fantastic. Oh. And, and the fair play to the senators as well, who then used his face to to mash up a RoboCop scene with him in it, which was which was excellent work by the uh, the Sens PR team. Fantastic. Yeah, I've I've got to be honest, I've completely changed my opinion on this situation now. Now that he said he thinks he can just take out anyone in the street, like now nah, that's clearly <laughs> someone enacting some weird, violent fantasy. It's like right, I've always wanted to. Did you know? Did you know what else he said as well? He said. He said that he was carrying he was carrying stuff for his baby. So he'd been to some shop to get like baby food and stuff like that. Yeah. And he said that if the guy had pulled out something sharp, 
I'd have just dropped the baby food and cracked him one. <laughs> Would right. you, Mark? Would have been easy, mate. Easy. Easy as one, two, three. <laughs> if there was a terrorist that came towards me, wouldn't even think twice, mate. Yeah. <laughs> He'd be sorry. You if we'd have pulled out a weapon. knife, if we'd have pulled out a knife, I'd have dropped my baby food and cracked him one. Fucking hell. <laughs> I feel like, is, is Mark Borowiecki actually a, a Mitchell brother? The third Mitchell brother? Shit, he could be, couldn't he? He looks like he, he could be. He could be the, the Mitchell, Mark Mitchell, their cousin from Ottawa, Ontario. Oh, dearie me. Dearie me. The sense, it's all positive vibes at the moment. It's all positive. At, at the moment. It's all, the wheels will come off eventually. There's always time. Oh, yeah, of course. There's always plenty of time for it to for it to go all Eugene, isn't there? <laughs> go 100% Eugene. It's strange. He's been a bit quiet, hasn't he? It's a bit strange. Yeah, I'm suspicious. Maybe he's working for a uh, a bigger a bigger plot. Yeah. I was going to say one of two things is happening. He's probably in his cryo chamber somewhere <coughs> being fed like teenagers blood through an IV drip or something. Or he's working on that billion dollar lawsuit that somebody somebody filed yeah. against him over those over that flat deal. <laughs> yeah, I think that's the problem. He can't afford to leave the house. Like he can't afford to put any petrol in any of his cars. Can't afford the bus. <laughs> Maybe that's where Boryaki was going. Maybe he was getting Eugene shopping for him. <laughs> baby food. Eugene's having to live off baby food because he hasn't got any money anymore. Yeah, he is. <laughs> he can't afford solids, Will. That's a problem. Yeah, the, the, oh, I was just getting stuff for my baby is code for for my Eugene. <laughs> I was buying stuff for Eugene my, for the week. My wee baby Eugene. <laughs> I, had to, I had to go to Iceland, get him a ton of fish fingers and a... Deep fried, deep fried pizzas. Billy Farm Foods. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Jesus. Fun never stops, right. Dad. Never stops. Uh, anything else you want to discuss, mate? Um, no, I've got I've got nothing. I think, I think it, kind of thankfully, it's been a bit of a, a lull and back to business as usual this week, isn't it? Yeah, thank God, thank God. Absolutely. Right, cool. The last thing, Will, which I'm kind of glad we avoided last week... As I didn't want you to spiral into oh, more of the, uh, yeah, we didn't more of the depression. Didn't even update, did we? No. No, but that's fine. I, I haven't hit the you're magic only, number. You're only, <laughs> you're only nine points behind. Oh, um, hey, Will, you schmuck. You're going to get roasted by an eight-year-old, you fool. As I swear, and I, and I thank God, thank God again, we put this out there. For the second week in a row, my girl went five for five. She's she's a like, new Frank Yoltsbus, isn't she? Oh. I don't know what she is. I'm slightly concerned that she's some kind of hockey savant, and I had no idea. Is she even my daughter? Was she bred in a lab? She's, What's she's going like on? a little psychic being that was sent to this earth to predict hockey scores, and she's finally found. It's, yeah. it's nice that she found her calling in life. Yeah, a lot of people don't don't find it that early she's on. She's found it. At su- yeah, she's found it at such a young age as well. Mate, you need to start profiting out of this. Well, like. <laughs> I wouldn't be the person I am if I didn't then work out how much money I would have made <laughs> if. <laughs> well, how, how much would you have got if you'd have put, I don't know, what, a tenner on each game or whatever? I, I worked out if I'd have, I think if I'd have put a five team accumulator on for the first week, I would have made, I can't remember what the bet was, but I would have made 50 quid. So if I'd have then Contained rolled that over, so, but, it, but if I'd have then rolled that over, it would have been something like three and a half grand or something ridiculous Jeez. like that. Well, you can you can do that on an accumulator. You can do like a two week long accumulator sort of thing. Oh, I know, I know. 
And I know, I know the second I put on a five-team accumulator, she'll lose every single one, so I can't do it, but... Well, I'd, I'd recommend yeah. that you do. <laughs> Dude, two weeks in a row, five for five. It's ridiculous. Scary, actually. That's pretty worrying, isn't it? Or, or, to be fair, it shows she has the same intelligence as a PlayStation 4 or a 2P coin. So, <laughs> you know... Swings and roundabouts, isn't it, really? <laughs> well, one of those is significantly more intelligent than the other. <laughs> very true, very true. All right, this week's games. Uh, Leafs Avs, which is tonight. Oh, oh, that's a nasty one. Avs, I've got to say Avs, because the Leafs are not uh, not doing too good. Okay, she took the Leafs. Stars Jets. Again, oh, Jesus, good. Jets. She took the Jets. Ducks, Capitals. Capitals. Uh, she took the Ducks. Oh, of course she Flames, did. Kings. Flames. Of course she did. Of course she did. Um, oh, jeez. I've, I've got to say Flames, but they're doing some weird things out there with their lines, and I don't necessarily know if that's going to work. But I can't, in good yeah, conscience, pick the Kings. So Flames. Yeah, she took the Flames as well. And then Golden Knights, Rangers. Uh, Golden Knights, Definitely. Okay, she's at the Rangers. All right. Oh, Let's see if next week is the last week as we hit the mercy score of 10 points. <laughs> the mercy score. I'll be so livid if, if I get to, you know, minus 10 and you come in with like, ha, 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 oh, guess who made 300 quid on his hacker this week? <laughs> <laughs> we can't end it. We can't end it because this is a story. If she ends up winning this by about 55 points, it's got, <laughs> we've got to carry on. All right. All right, I will. For the and I promise, I promise next season you can you can ask me. It, it oh, is that, yet. That, thanks. That's <laughs> that's the mercy that what, I need. What else can I do, Will? <laughs> what, a, what else can I do? Financial compensation for this emotional abuse I've suffered for three years. Emotional, <laughs> emotional distress. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> All right, there we go. Thankfully, folks, back to normal this week. A bit more light-hearted. We try and we try not to be too down and depressing, but sometimes we have to talk about the things that are there in front of us. Yeah. And, like, you know, that's what we had to do last week. But needs there we needs go. must every every week can't be joked. Sometimes no. you have to rein it in. Exactly. Anyway, cheers, listen, everybody. Will any last words? Uh, absolutely none. Peace and love. Fantastic. Take care, folks. We'll see you later. Peace.